0: You're listening to the CBA Podcast, where we talk everything basketball, from youth club to high school to college. The CBA Podcast is brought to you by Chapman Basketball Academy. Your hosts are Terry Massey, Max Johansson, and Joe Chapman. to the podcast. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do a topic of the day. We're going to do some player profiles. And we're also going to have some game picks of the week. Uh, so I hope you guys get enjoyed it, and let's get into it. All right. Today's uh, topic of the day, what we wanted to do is um, the parents, uh, the good, the bad, what I like to call the ugly. Um, there's a lot of good, right? But there is there is some bad that's affecting the game. We saw it in a community, um, parent. Punched coach because of playing time you know I, I see it at the third fourth grade level a, a team got kicked out <laughs> at the fifth grade level or fourth grade level of league play um i love parents who are involved with their kids right but sometimes it goes over the top right mm-hmm. what would
1: your advice be to parents <laughs> oh i mean we can spend two hours on this topic um so let's Let's dive into it. I I think, you know, having a kid that you love and you see dearly um, and you're raising them to, you know, have different values, it takes a village to raise your kids. And, you know, us as coaches, we're a part of the village. Um, And it's hard because, you know, your kids want to do right by your coaches. They want to do right by their parents. They want to do right by their grandparents, you know, their supporting staff. So, it makes it kind of difficult when you're coaching from the side um, because the kid doesn't know who to listen to. They don't want to disappoint the coach. They don't want to disappoint their parents. Um, They're look they constantly looking over their shoulders, um, trying to give directions to their kids. I think, um, you know, it just causes confusions on the court for the players. Um, so I think that's one of the things that need to be kind of changed here is because um, us as coaches are trying to – put value into your kid. Um, And they're going to deal with adversity, whether they deal with it early or later or in the middle. Um, It's kind of up to you how you want your kids to be raised. Um, And I think that's the hardest part for all people who have kids that are putting them into a new situation. Are you trying to coddle them through it or are you trying to throw them in there where they are forced to learn and listen to other people and to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves, um, and that's what makes it hard for a ninety percent of the parents in this era, of how, you know how to be raised by um, other coaches that you probably don't agree with, but they're playing this year. How do you get through it? What's the communication like with your team, with the parents, with the players? Um, do you have a um, you have a kid and he's not playing as much or she's not playing as much? Are you telling them to talk to the um, coach or are you telling them, like, we're we're going to give up in a week or two? If the things don't change, we're just going to give up. And what does that leave for the kid that, that puts them down a cycle that they're always giving up when something goes wrong? Um, or are you enforcing going to early communicate with the coach about concerns that we see? You know, because the things about it with youth sports, if you're on the same page with the parent, you're in a great spot, good, bad, or indifferent. You want that car ride to be exactly what you're trying to enforce to their kid. But that's open dialogue between the players and the parents and the coaches that you have to have. There's so many coaches that try to say, this is my way, there's no other way, this is my way. Well, that causes the parent to act a certain way. Um, But when you open your doors and you have open dialogue, that helps the conversation and it helps the player. Because, like I said, they don't want to do wrong by the coach. They don't want to do wrong by their parents. So they're stuck in the middle um, of what's going on. And most younger kids are not going to speak truthfully about what they're doing in practice. Or, hey. you know, they're going to get in the car and say, man, that coach got a vendetta against me for some reason. He's not playing me or I'm just he's, – he's always saying something negative about me. It's like, well, you don't see what it, he constantly or she's constantly doing every day. Um, but that's why I think the coaches play a big part of this too. And the parents play a huge part of it, too. If it's not an open dialogue and you can't openly communicate um, with what's going on, um, it's going to be trauma like this. And it's really tipped over with parents fighting refs, parents fighting coaches, um, players fighting coaches, (laughs) Um, players fighting refs. I mean, I've seen parents and siblings and aunties, uncles come out of the stands. You know, like if their kid get in a fight on the court, it's like fifty people coming down from those bleachers, uh, especially in Chicago. You fight one, you about to fight the whole village. <laughs> so you you better be ready who you swing on. Uh, so you know that's that's some of the bad stuff you see in youth sports. Um, but like I said, I think it's a it's coaches and it's the players. It's got you got to meet in the middle to have open dialogue.
2: Totally, and I think something that we preach that you preach is. Once a team is made, like, there's got to be the coach has got to reach out to them early. Can't set, ex- set expectations, expectations early. Right? Expectations yeah. and just open that line of communication as early as possible so they know, like, at least for me, like, I think about these parents' kids 24 7. Same, like, yep. when we're in it for, like, from now, even, like, we're going to high school games on Friday. Like, we care about your kids when we do this. Yep. Same with college. Like, I go to sleep. I'm thinking about what we got to do the next day. How is this person feeling? The next morning, wake up, promote the kid on on Twitter, do different things, and like we're constantly thinking about it as coaches. And I do think sometimes parents don't realize that, or I shouldn't say realize that, or or we don't do a good job of portraying it to them because they don't see it. They're not at practice. They're not on a car ride to a tournament. So us as coaches have to communicate and let the parents know that, hey, I'm on the same... I just had a conversation with your your kid about X, Y, and Z and where they're at. Like, feel free to ask any questions. If you see anything at home that they're struggling with, practice or in in games, like, just open communication can solve a lot of issues and be proactive with it so it's not a a middle-of-the-season thing.
0: I think parents expect too much at a young age. I think that's probably a, a huge problem, right? fifth grade, fourth grade, you thinking they're Michael Jordan, you know, they're, right. you know, Lisa Leslie, or, you, right. know, you know okay. what I mean? It's like they're fourth, fifth graders. Yeah, Let them, let them enjoy the game, yep. right? And it's not about winning until eighth grade. Correct,
1: correct. I mean, that's the, the joy of the game has to come first. Um, regardless of their skill set, regardless how good they are, they have to enjoy it because it's a process. Um, if you start out really good really early, that's not going to say you're going to be really good late. You know, you you got to enjoy every day. It's a different day to get better. Um, and I think we're, right now, as you can see, we, we got a lot of people who are fourth and fifth grade stars. By the time they're ninth grade, those parents want them on varsity right away. Mm-hmm. Like, if my kid's not on varsity, I'm going to a new school. Um, if your kid is on varsity, either one thing, you're not in a good program because – a freshman should never be on varsity unless you're just top five in your class. Um, or two, um, that coach is not very good uh, because freshmen's got a long way to learn. You know, you're going against 18, 19-year-olds because it's double reclasses now. So you're going against 18, 19-year-olds and you're, your kid is 14, you know, and you got expectations of them wanting to be on varsity. That starts in the youth sports. You know, how many kids that we see start in fourth grade on one team, fifth grade they on another team, AAU, they play on three teams just because they are always constantly searching on, my kid needs to be with the best or they are the best and they're getting screwed over, so we got to keep moving teams. You know, those are the kids that we say in CBA, like, we got to stay away from. If, if they come in eighth or ninth grade, you've already been in three, four programs, that's a red flag. And it's not usually a red flag on the programs you left. Um, those are internal red flags. You got to start looking in the mirror and say, why am I keep moving? Why am I moving district to district, AAU program, to AAU program? It can't always be the coaches, you know, and that starts in fourth and fifth grade. It's, it starts very early, that process of um, my kid deserves to be, you know, rare. Well, you're hurting your
0: child. You're hurting your kid, right? So a parent that yells at that ref Right or goes over there and yells at that coach at eighth grade, <clears throat> right? At eighth grade, you're already starting to kind of set who you are, mm-hmm. right? Coaches are looking at you, kind of, right? Mm-hmm. For high school and stuff, you ruin that kid already on what, what his expectations are by going to that coach by making a public scene like that, right. by by your outbursts. No, no coach wants to be part of that. Right?
2: No, I, well, I yeah, completely agree. Completely agree, and I think I've. <clears throat> Uh, I'm not a parent, but, like, speaking from the coach's side of it, I have I have struggled in past, like, separating if I hear a phone call from a parent or a parent says something directly about me, and then I can't, as a coach, I can't let that affect the kid. Like, the kid has no control over that. So I have to coach the kid the same way, like, support him the same way, but it is a lot harder to do that if you have a parent that's over your ears that's criticizing another kid on the team, a program, or you specifically. So that's a really tough battle that coaches have to deal with. And I think from the coaches' side, we have to remember that it is the kids first, regardless of what happens outside of it. Um, but that's something that it makes it harder if you do have noise from a, a, a parent or a, a care caregiver there that's just constantly and i think that's the hard
1: part like us as coaches we got to have great backbone because when these people attack you um about their kid and um you know another red flag is when parents talk about other people's kids you know and you don't as a coach you never want to dive into that no we're not here if you want to talk let's talk about your kid um But us as coaches, that put us in a bad position, because what I try to teach my coaches is have an open door with your parents, but don't let that determine how you coach. Because if you start coaching differently, now every parent's going to knock on your door like, "Hey, um, this guy's or this girl, my my girl's not playing enough. What are you going to do about it?" All right, I'm going to give her ten more minutes in the game. Now
0: you just open the door. You just
1: open a can of worms that you'll never stop. You know, so you got to have a good backbone. Um, you got to have great strategies. Um, you know, you're playing chess out there, you know, so you got to stay ahead, you know, of, of the parents. But that's by opening the door, having open dialogue, staying on the same page. In the first two weeks, I believe, the coaches, you have a great idea who your kids are and what they need help with, whether they're visual learners, whether they're behind on certain things, maybe they need an extra hug or two, you know, you, you kind of know. You know, you got some warning signs. And if you're a good coach, two weeks is all you need. Like, oh, boy, I need to spend some more time with her. Um, I see what's just about to happen here. So um, uh, I think those two weeks will determine who's the parents you need to get in front of, who, who's the parents you got to keep an eye on, and who's the parents you can trust. Um, you, you can find that all out in two weeks. Um, but that has a lot to do with the bad part of youth sports is we're overcoaching to compensate for the parents and how they feel instead of um, helping their kid get better. We're trying to help the parent. We're we're like the therapy, you know, for the parents too. You know, so it's a weird dynamic in this generation of what you deal with. Um, as a trainer, as a coach, as a director, um, parents is, you know, there are some great things, but obviously there are some bad things too. And I think that leads us to, the 24-hour rule that I think is very huge for um, all of us as coaches is we implement a 24-hour rule. After after the weekend or after a tough game, um, you know, give us 24 hours before you respond to us and before we respond to you because emotions are high. We're all dealing with something. The last thing you need is someone to come up to you after a game and say, hey, why you didn't play my son or daughter too much, you know, do you know we just won a game? You're you, you talking about if we, if I put them put in 10 more minutes, you know, that's the stuff that can trigger you as a coach or the player. And that's happened to me. It's, I'm coaching a game, and um, we win a huge game in AAU that we in seventh grade that we just never beat this team. We finally beat them. You know, I had a parent like, hey, you know, great that we won, but why you didn't play my son? He's just as good as everybody else. It's like, yeah, he played in the first half. It's like, well, he didn't play at all in the second half. Oh, we won a game and that team was that group that was out there went on a 10-0 run i'm not subbing now um and those are the conversations you don't want to have in front of everyone you know mm-hmm. so that's when we implemented the 24-hour rule because that those things happen all the time and we both need esteem to come off before we address the issue at hand
0: well, as a parent, we don't want to see our kids' faults, right? So we're kind of blind to their faults during the game. Mm-hmm. You know, all we see is, oh, you just knocked down a three, right? Mm-hmm. We don't see that they didn't close out mm-hmm. and the person went right around them and scored a basket. Correct. Right? So you got to wait that 24 hours also for the coach to analyze the game and, and figure out stuff too, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A parent, you miss so much watching the game because you don't want to see the faults. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that it's a good job. Like, I think filming the game and having... The ability to rewatch it and even the parents rewatch it. Like, I think early on in the season, we do a good job of like parents, especially when we have a new group that we're coaching. Parents are open to come in and watch practice. uh Parents can watch film with the kids. Now, if you're going to do that, you better be on top of your stuff. You better have like a, a good plan. You better be dialed in to mm-hmm. the practice plan if you're comfortable doing that. But if you do, those parents get an understanding of what you're doing with them at practice, what you expect out of them in the game, and then your parents can be kind of like your assistant coach. We're like, hey, did you do X, Y, and Z? I saw you guys working on that in the first week of practice. Mm-hmm. This is what the expectations are. Yep. Um, and Then you rewatch it, film. Parents come and watch film with us. This is what we're talking about. Yep. And I think that goes along with what we touched on before is the open communication but again, I'll re- if you you have to be on top of your stuff, I think if you're going to be able to do that as a coach and be dialed into what exactly your expectations are. So, cuz the parents are if the, they if you give them an inch of like you made a mistake here or there, like they'll take it and run with it. So, I think you got to be really dialed in if you want to do that, but I think we've found some success doing that as well. So, we we talked a lot about the bad and the ugly and
0: I'd like to just finish. Parents, there's something out there called social media. Everything is taped. Everybody's got a cell phone. What you do matters. I'm mm-hmm. c- at a game. Parents have a have a phone. They're, you're being videotaped. You're being watched. Mm-hmm. You know, don't think about yourself. Think about your child, right? Yep. Um, the good, okay. I remember when I first started taking Mason to some of your trainings and stuff and mm-hmm. you had your sons there, Joseph and Steph, you know, in 3rd grade, right? here's the good, right? Let them be themselves third, fourth, fifth grade. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're going to mess up, but you, you never, I never watched you correct them. You just let them be mm-hmm. themselves.
1: Yep. And I think that's a huge part of it. And I think that, um, having other voices at a young age, um, teach your kids how to play the game is crucial to their development. And it's crucial to you keeping a great relationship with them because if they always just hear you all day about cleaning their room, about, uh, cleaning their room again, um, you know, taking a shower, you know. You own them about everything. So you don't want them not to hear your voice when it matters. So, And I know when I play, the village matters. So for me, it's, it was more so about helping them find. Everyone has a niche. We all in life have a niche. It's about whatever you do with that niche. God gave us every every one of us have something. You know, it's about you finding it out. And at third, fourth, fifth grade, they don't know it. They're just trying to develop it. Like, what is my niche? And for you to try to put them in a role at a super early age would hinder them on, you know, what their niche is. So I think that's important to kind of find that out, um, what your niche is. So for me, I think that's the, the most important thing is finding out who you are at that third, fourth, fifth grade level. Um, and f- that's important.
2: Yeah, totally. And I think that, like, the good continuing with that, like travel basketball is time consuming. There's a financial burden with it. There's practices, there's trainings, there's camps, like the commitment that these parents have and the love that they give their kids to allow them to have fun and do the travel basketball and experience things that they normally probably they wouldn't be able to have otherwise. I think that's just the biggest compliment that you can give a parent for just the commitment yeah. every single day, three times a week. Yeah, and we got we got great coach,
1: great parents. I mean, we wouldn't be where we are without the parents that's in our group that supported us um through this. So and and we always um I always tell my coaches and and parents there's 90% of really good parents. There's 10% that's bad. The 10% is what you focus on <laughs> um, as a program. Um the 90%, they they record the games, they take stats, they Bring kids to games. They take them home. Um, they stay in hotels with different kids. You know, um, they wash their laundry. They, they. These parents are unbelievable um, that we have. They're at the scores table. Uh, we got to pick the right parent to be at the scores table though we don't need a, <laughs> I, I'm coach. a I'm
0: not one of those well i don't, I don't coach from the scores table but I get so involved in the game that yeah oh I forgot they had two points or, yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh, did oh, that we, coach take a time off yeah. I don't freaking
1: know I was uh, watching the game yeah that happened that happened with us we was in Indiana um with AAU two years ago and we had the late game we had like a 9 30 ten o'clock game and the refs were uh, it's probably like their eighth game they were just couldn't get up and down the court mm-hmm. And we had a parent at the scores table. We were down 20 at halftime. And we come all the way back. About this time, it's about 11 o'clock. Um, it's about 10, 12 seconds left on the clock. One of our parents involved in a game so much, you know, <laughs> he, he's like, I'm not touching this score. You know, so we, we go all the way down the court. We make three, four passes, lay up with 10 seconds to go. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in the gym is going nuts. Like, how, did it, how much time was on the clock? I was like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> so after we laid the ball up, it was still five seconds left. After four dribbles and a layup and a pass, it was – we were happy, but it was about 11.30 when we got out of there. We won in double overtime, but – uh, that's the part, you know. At the scores table, that's the good part. You know, you you got parents that have your back, uh, give you an extra foul, give you an extra timeout.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, I had a dime for every time I heard start the
0: damn clock, start yeah. the clock. Yeah, if, if
2: they're gonna if they're yeah. gonna charge the parents to pay entry and work the scores table, we better yeah. get an extra timeout, right. and an extra
1: foul. Right, well, yeah.
2: parents also as coaches. <laughs> Please do the scores table.
0: Don't <laughs> let us have to try to find somebody oh, a, a and, minute after warm up. And don't, don't,
1: do yeah, yeah, don't be that parent who I'm trying to look for you and you got your head down in the yeah. crowd. Like, oh, it's not my turn. Like, yeah, I'm trying to look at you to come to the yeah. scores table. Every parent's got to go to the bathroom the a minute before
0: yeah. dip off. <laughs> I hate asking. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I don't blame them, though. I mean, if you got to pay $20 entry fee and you got to work the scores they were like it's got to be one or the other it can't be both <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. um for parents that are involved um i see a little bit of it myself i'm a parent coach right and i've i've, I've coached my daughters you know through youth uh, i currently coach molly all the way up to eighth grade and i don't know i think i'm a rare one you know I, I never gave her professional treatment you know i was actually harder on her than a lot of people but then you know, she went to AAU this year and played for someone else, and she shined, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Kids need a different voice. They do. They actually like it better when you're not their coach. Yes. When their parents are not their coach, they like it better. Yes. Right. I I help with Mason, but I'm not his head coach. Correct. You know, I'm there to support him, but it's the coach's job to yep.
1: teach. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I think that's the hardest part of being a parent coach. It's a weird dynamic because you can't. Most, if you're a really good parent coach, you're probably too hard on your own kid. Um, if you're not that good, you don't say anything to your kid and you just let them do everything and all the plays are for them and, you know, swing, you're open, but you're yelling one more pass, you know, because your kid is open in the corner. That's what the bad parent coaches do. Um, so that's, that's why I feel like it should always be a non parent coach at a certain age um, to help your kid through. Now, if that parent coach is really good or played at a very high level, they should still be there, you know, because they can teach the other people on the team, um, how to play because that's what they do. Um, but at certain points, your kid, um, needs to hear from other voices, you know, and that's just a part of, even if you're a very successful coach or ex player, your, your, um, son or daughter needs to hear from somebody else. Um, if they want to be successful because you can't have them forever. They're gonna get it at some point and they're not gonna know what to do once it's not there. I think eighth grade boys team, you have a former NBA player
0: as a coach on that team and his son plays for him. Right? And I watch that there's no favoritism for his son. Right. When you watch him coach that game, he's just another player out
1: there. <laughs> right, right. You know, and that's eighth grade. Yep, yep. And and that's that's hard, you know, and we got a lot of um, college coaches in our program um, that coach their kid, we got ex-NBA players that coach their kids and it's not easy, it's a it's a delicate balance that they have to play with it um, but the resilience that they have of helping their kid become better teammates, better players but helping the other players on the other team just to say wow I got um, Craig Robinson who was a head coach in college and um, on many levels, that he's here, you know, with my fifth-grade son, with my eighth-grade son, helping him how to play. You walk through the door and you see that guy coaching your kid, mm-hmm. you're like, wow, this is this an is amazing thing. Um, so that there's good parts to it, but it's very hard as a parent coach to find that balance um, of coaching your kid, when to get on your kid, um, not to berate them, you know, because people are watching how you interact with them just to see how true you are to your, you know, message. Like you, you might just be just okay to this kid, but you're really getting way too hard on your own kids. Like, okay. So where's the balance to it? You know,
0: I think basketball in general is one of the rare sports where you can be so close to the game. And I think that's some of the problem too, right? Yeah. Football, you're in the stands. Yeah. Soccer, you're kind of in the stands. Yeah. Um, Basketball, you're, like, right next to the court and youth sports, right? So yep. everybody can hear you yell. Yep. Yep. The refs can hear you, you know. And yep. I think that's kind of a dynamic, too. That's kind so, of a battle.
1: So I'm, It's so funny you mention that. So when I walk into gyms and I know it's those type of gyms, I embrace coaching more. So there was times when me and Max was in Vegas this year, and we, we played in a back gym, and the parents are literally two rows behind us. So we, we use that time to actually extra coach extra Mm -hmm. talk on the court, extra, so they can see, like, this is how, what these coaches are trying to tell our kids, extra talking on the bench. Um, When we play at Homestead during AAU, and those parents sit right there, you can, you know, it's not as many people there, so it's like an echo in there, so they can hear everything you're saying. So that's a good thing if you're a good coach. That's bad if you can't adjust, and they really hear what you're saying to those kids, and, they can kind of see how loud you are. Uh, it can backfire on you too. So you got to embrace the situation that we're in as basketball coaches because parents are right there. So you might as well open your doors up because they're gonna they're gonna One get an idea, whether it's good or bad. They're gonna hear it, yeah, go bad, <laughs> right. Gonna hear
2: it. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I just think going back a little bit to whether if you're a parent coach for um, let's say U ten to U twelve, and now a, a new head coach is coming in, like you're kids your players if there's a ton of ways to coach and teach basketball to get to the same point and I think the more opportunities and experiences your kids can learn a different way to do a different thing to, to do basketball uh, there's plenty of different styles plenty of different offenses like that's only going to help them like continue their career whether it's college high school like the more things you know the no, more ways you know how to play the different coaching tactics that you are able to give them early, the better off those kids will be. Because I think, just think, getting as many experiences as possible in the basketball world for these kids at a young age is best-case scenario. Yep. I think parents need to realize
0: that, okay, fourth, fifth, sixth grade is about loving the game. Sixth, seventh is teaching the game, Mm -hmm. increasing their skills and drills and that, eighth grade starts to get a little bit more of winning. Mm-hmm. But the winning mentality should not be third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and even seventh a little bit. I told I told my girls this weekend, you know, we we were up by five. We got down by four. I said, I don't care about the score, girls. We're here to try different things. Did you do a Eurostep? Did you try a pro hop? Mm-hmm. You know, did you try something different? I don't mm-hmm. care about the score. Yep. You know, we ended up winning that game, but I didn't care about the score as a coach in seventh grade right now. you Right,
1: know. right. You're trying to develop um development is the key to any formula of winning um if you're not comfortable doing certain things, where are you going to get comfortable at if you're already in a role um that the coaches are wanting you in because it's about winning um you, These kids have to develop they got to make mistakes because that's life it's, life is about mistakes you're going to make a hundred of them you know so how can you get over it? and keep developing your game. Because one thing that I realized during this game is at some point, your true character is going to show who you are as a person. I don't know when it's going to show. It's going to show in the first minute or the last minute or in between. Who you are as a person is going to show up at some point inside of a practice, inside of a game, inside of a season. We're going to know who you are um, based off how hard you work, based off um, your parents, based off your how you interact with your teammates, how you interact with the refs. We're going to try to figure out what you're not good at and help you through it. Not so much just
2: work on the things you're just good at. Yeah. And I think I wouldn't say like, I think winning and being competitive is important. I think at anything, but I think holding that to like the only thing that matters is I think where we get in trouble like it's being outcome driven rather than process driven mm-hmm. like you can't always control the outcome um mm-hmm. for like we we were up four um this last weekend and saturday with 25 seconds left some guy hit like a 30 footer with a hand in his face we ended up losing in overtime like mm-hmm. we played it perfectly we played it exactly how we were supposed to and it didn't go our way like we had no control of that outcome Yep. sometimes we make shots sometimes we miss shots so like be making sure the kids are understanding that this is a long process, especially if you're starting at U12 to mm-hmm. U17. You're going to have ups. You're going to have downs, down. But just focus on getting better, control what you can control, being a great teammate, helping each other out, and like just being there and trusting the coaches, trusting your parents, trusting your teammates. Yep. I think that will go a long way rather than just focusing on did we win or lose that game. And yep. then if your outcome – driven like you'll probably if you lose you'll probably be down in the dumps for like 12 hours a couple days if you're process driven like you react the same way whether win or loss because there's more work to do you can always get better and that's a little cliche but i think it's something that can help out a kid and as coaches we can preach that a little bit more to get that in their brain and help their development
0: i always tell my parents i'm like um i'm not perfect i'm human, right? I'm still learning, Mm -hmm. you know. Everybody can always learn, right? Yep. And I'm going to make mistakes. uh, But know that I care about your child, and I'm here to help them be there for them. Coolest thing ever happened uh, this weekend. My girls, uh, I think I only have three at practice this weekend, because they got a choir concert Mm -hmm. on Monday. And they're like, you need to come to my concert, Mm -hmm. you know. The girls want me to go to their concert uh, tonight, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's just Cool as a culture that they want you to do that, you know.
1: Yeah, but I, it goes back to the theory of being involved as a coach with your parents and the kids. It, if you don't want the good, the bad, the ugly, you got to do extra work. Um, and for us who do have kids, that means caring for other people's kids just as much as you care for your own kid, and spending time with other kids just as much as spending time with your own kid. I see other people's kids more than I see my own kids. I coach other people's kids more than I see my own kids. You know, I see parents and other people's wives more than I see my own wife. And, you know, it's just part of it. If you want to do it the right way, you have to invest into the group that you're coaching. Um, If that changes every year, that's fine. But if you got a group that you can grow every single year, you got to take ownership, responsibility. And that happens by being on the same page with the parents, the coaches, the grandparents. You got to invest and get to know them. Um, don't be the coach that after a game, I'm just beeline into my car. Like, no, stay, win, lose. Good job. We can work on this. Let's, you know, let's talk over the weekend after our 24 hours. Um, You know, if you're in a road trip together with a parent, don't just go in your room and sit there like, no, let's, let's have a beer. Let's talk. Let's, it bad better it's and different. not right. always that
2: hard of work either. You don't have to talk basketball. <laughs> right. Have a glass of wine, have some beer, and right. talk about anything other than basketball. Yeah.
1: And that's part of it, you know. And I think that's where we can get back to everyone enjoying this youth process is we have to be on the same page together um, and not have our own separate agendas. Um, if we do that, it's going to be better for our kids going forward. If not, it's going to get probably worse.
0: All right. As part of our podcast, what we want to do also is uh, highlight some players of the week and some games of the week. So that's what this segment's going to be about. And we'll give it over to Joe. All
1: right. Thank you. Uh, so I, I think the season has been really good for us as far as our CBA players. Just coming off the summer, you can see like some of the players are coming into their own right. You know, some some programs losing big stars and, um, you know, some people are coming back with chips on their shoulders. So. For us, one of the best things that happened, um, and it's not a lot of good things that happened with COVID, was the YouTube. I mean, a lot of these games are YouTube streamed online, so we can watch so many games. Um, so that's pretty cool for all of us coaches and directors Just to sit back in our own house and watch five or six games at one time. So that's pretty cool. And we get to see some of our kids that we don't necessarily get to see all the time. Uh, Perform well, so we want to make sure we highlight some of those players, and um, we're going to highlight a couple girls, a couple guys. Uh, One of the girls I think is having a great year so far. Um, Didn't have the year she wanted last year. Came back strong. Uh, Danica Goss from Germantown. She's really showing, you know, who she is as a player. We saw little little clippets of it, you know, over the summer who she can be, but right now um, she's playing really well. Uh, Her last game, she had twenty six points four rebounds, four assists, and she was 10 for 18 from the field. Uh, I was at her first game, and she was kind of jittery in that first half. Me and Max was there, and she got going, you know. And so it's good to see, you know, kids starting to get that confidence. Um, So, you know, we want to make sure we give her a shout-out. I think Mackenzie Loring from Ketamoraine Lutheran is having an outstanding season so far, another 2025 kid. Um five six just a pit bull. Um that's her name on our team. We give out different dog names. Um she's the pit bull. Uh we have a uh Doberman Pinscher. Pincher. We got different type of dogs, but she's the pit bull that's on the front line, just you know, she'll pick up five files, you know. But she's played so hard, and those she's playing are, those so Those are well. the ones you love that get, oh, yeah. and get the
0: foul. And yeah. The it's, extra
1: defensive touch. Yeah, and, you know, she gets beat, and she backs tips. She steals it, get a layup, get a back tip. She's like – she's one of those players you're like, wow, you don't really – you know, if you're, if you're not a fan of the game, you don't understand everything that she's doing on the court, especially at her size. It's pretty impressive. So I want to make sure we give her a shout-out. Um also, Lauren Strifflin, she she picked up a great award um, with the Cedarburg, with the Nikki Award. Um, we want to make sure that she's mentioned in that because um, Lauren does a lot of great things on and off the court for her team, and it's great that she's got recognized for that by her teammates. Um, so we wanted to make sure we give a shout-out to her. And in that game, she had 10 points, eight rebounds. So um, it was a great game for her as well. But we want to make sure that those type of awards, those type of kids um, get recognized for that. I I can't start without, like, talking about Tim Franks. I think he's just having an unbelievable uh, um, senior year. Uh, Larry Bird of the North Shore. Yeah, when I saw that, I'm like, (laughs)
0: when I I said that, man, he he reminds me of Larry Bird. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. Tim Tim has been with us forever. Uh, You know, I still can't believe he's still in high school, how long we had him. You know, it seemed like he's been here 20 years um, in our program. And he's one of the kids that started the program. It's great that all of his hard work is paying off his senior year. He's averaging 32 points a game, shooting about 45% from the three. Um, his team is 3-1, just took a tough loss, but um, against a really good uh, Wisco team, against Conk Nibble's team. Uh, so we want to make sure we highlight him. Um, but also we had, you know, two guys this week play really well. I think Michael McNabb of Germantown, of Grafton, um, he had 35, seven rebounds, four steals. And that's what Mike does. I mean, he's a stat <laughs> He'd get 20 and 20 easily.
0: I remember the kid, St. Paul, so St. Paul Grafton, right? That's where we're from. That's where my kids went from kindergarten all the way up to eighth grade, and that's where Michael started was St. Paul and Grafton. So.
1: Yeah, and I still remember seeing Mike for the first time in sixth grade. Um, and Sean Kreider, the head coach of um, Homestead, he's like, I, I got to deal with this kid. He was just speechless when he saw him. Like, how, how am I going to deal with this kid? You know, he can go left, right, he can shoot it. Yeah, that that kid's a handful. Um and he's proven it for four years. He's on pace to score two thousand points in high school, which is unbelievable for any kid to do. Um, you know, so he's just a stat stuffer everywhere that he goes. Um Dominican's off to a hot start this year. Um DJ scored twenty eight points career high. I think he had eight three pointers in the first half. When that kid gets cooking It's nothing you can do because he's got a fast release. He can shoot it from anywhere. Um, And once he gets going, the rest of his game gets going too. He finds his teammates. He's not selfish. Um, So those eight three-pointers, he could have had, you know, eight more. But he knows, like, let me get the other guys, you know, and that's good for him. He's got a lot of D2, D3 interests right now. Loris, which is a great D3 school, just picked up an offer from there. Uh, Hamlin really likes him as well. And St. Paul – um, so, you know, his trajectory is really going high right now. His team is 4-0 and or 5-0, I believe. Um, and, you know, he's the catalyst of that. He's, he's a steady, calm senior who's, who's already scored over 1,000 points, and he's about winning right now as opposed to let me just try to, you know, get my stats. So I like seniors who coming back and understanding winning is the formula that we, we try to incorporate to our kids at CBA and that they're doing now.
2: Dominican 6-0. and oh. 6-0. Oh. <laughs> put a so, so, 104 out of their six games so far.
0: Wow. So as part of the p- player profile, we also want to do uh, uh, games of the week or whatever. I know during our topic talk we said a little bit about the Homestead-Cedarburg game at that time. Uh, if we would have prepared a little bit, we would have talked a little bit about I thought would have probably been the top game of the week would have been Saturday night's Homestead uh Wisconsin Lutheran game. Yeah. I mean if we could have the matchup between Tim and Khan Knipple was yeah. absolutely a blast to watch live.
1: Yeah. And they play well. And Tim played well. Um Khan played really well. I thought Trevor guarded the ball really well. He took on the challenge. So I think from that standpoint it, it was a great game for a high school environment. It was a lot of people there. Um so you know from that point of view that that was for sure the game of the week.
2: Yeah, I think it's cool to schedule those games super early in the season, too. Can you catch, Just to have like an early test like that to see where the programs are at and shows, like especially for the youth programs, to go out and see like high-level basketball, get the community involved and all the kids involved on a big Saturday night game, I think that's great.
0: What I think is cool about what Homestead did there is, because they got that huge field house, right? Yeah. And, and they put it into a smaller gym, so the atmosphere yeah. is... I mean all those people could have fit in the field house. Yeah. Um but to put but to put it in the smaller gym is is it was fun, you know, being
1: in a smaller atmosphere yeah. packed like that was just Yeah, awesome. you pack, you packed that thing out, you know. And I know I think that's a good topic too. I mean, these schools that have a field house and a main gym, which one do you prefer as a player and as a, you know, a fan, as a coach? Um for me, I probably would want the field house because I think the backdrop discourages a lot of players on the other team <laughs> that's a true uh, thing that oh is a yeah. true so, thing because, Whitefish bay is awful to play in yeah because that backdrop you yeah. know around that track that you know. perception <laughs> yeah yeah, that's a big thing um but does it mess your own players up because you don't practice there you know it's it's 50 50 with that so moving forward what uh
0: max what what is your game of the week to look for this yeah, this so coming week
2: same thing with the player features we'll focus on kind of CBA oriented uh, on the CBA boys side Kettle Moraine Lutheran versus Kewascom on f- this Friday Kettle Moraine Lutheran's Lutheran is off to a good year um, They always have a good squad uh, Jordan Wagner scored 28 in his last game out um, And they'll be going against Zach Benn uh, 6-6 guard um, He's doing a lot of good things for Kewascom I believe they're 4-1 right now with a, a big road conference win last week so both of those guys in the 2025 class will be cool to see those two go at it. Um, and then Grafton, to touch on uh, Michael McNabb again, they go to Nicolet Tuesday night at 7.15. So like talking about good high school basketball environments, that'll be an, another awesome one with a ton of good players on that court. Um, going to the girls' side, um, Muskego at Arrowhead on Friday, 7 p.m. Muskego is 7-1 um, with a, a CBA newcomer, uh, Rachel Ag. Um, She can shoot the ball from anywhere, a really tough player, and her her size is a mismatch uh, nightmare for opponents. So that will be a good game, two top programs um, over there. And then Kettle Moraine Lutheran, again, on the girls' side, they'll be at Kewascom Thursday at 7.15. We touched on Mackenzie Luring a little bit in the beginning, um, and then they got Taylor Ignatowski and Taylor Schwalberg who have been, Schwallenberg who have been parts of our program in the past and, and do a lot of help with us in the summer camp. So it's good to see those, those three girls have a, a good start to their season and looking forward to seeing them play on Thursday.
0: Awesome, yeah. So keep track of everything and uh, great games to watch and great players to watch. That'll do it for today's show. Hope you guys enjoyed everything. Uh, Great topic today, the good, the bad, the ugly with parents. Uh, Next week, our topic, we hope to talk about recovery, preparing for a game, training. What age do you start? Um, Hope to have a special guest in next week that is an expert on everything. So stay tuned, and thanks, everybody, again for listening to the CBA Podcast. (laughs)